If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, everybody, to Podcast Unlocked. It is episode 467 of IGN's weekly Xbox show for October 27th, 2020. Yes, the game fall game season is officially in big full swing. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I'm joined by my usual panel, Miranda Sanchez. Hello. Destin Legary. Bam. Hey, everybody. There it is. And Brandon Tyrell. Hello. Good morning. What is that? You got that coffee going, my friend? You got, there it is. For breakfast. And a backup. Oh, man. Excellent. I'm jealous. Wow. <laughs> it is that time of year. Well played. Just in case. Uh, well, we've got plenty to talk about. In fact, the whole run of show was upended this morning by news you've probably already seen if you've logged on to IGN or social media, and that is Cyberpunk getting delayed again. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but first, just wanted to promote my monthly pet project. IGN Unfiltered continues with another episode that just dropped today as I record this, and it is with Raven Software's co-founder, Brian Raffle. So do take a peek at that if you want to hear interviews with game developers about where game studios come from and all these cool human stories behind the video games we know and love. Uh, but yes, the big story this week is Cyberpunk 2077. It has been delayed again, this time to December 10th. And Cyberpunk writing a letter to their employees and the public saying, yeah, yeah, it went gold, but uh, we're still doing a lot of stuff and we're not ready to finish all that stuff yet. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Let me go Miranda's way first. Miranda, how do you, what is your reaction to this is now at least the third delay for this game? As you can see, or if you're watching, I'm just like pulling at my face. <laughs> if you're listening, you can't see it. Uh, I'm... Yes, we want them to have the time they need. There's a lot of concern, obviously, going around about crunch and that this is just more crunch. And then also there's just like a general... I think bubbling anger from part of the community because a lot of people took time off for this. And then for me, I'm just kind of like flipping a table over here because I just finished planning everything in fall like meticulously because when you have so many moving pro like pieces for fall, especially for assigning projects, 
it's so much work. And I'm like, well, time to go back to square one. <laughs> um, I think, obviously, I think I've been pretty transparent about being disappointed about the delays just because I really want to play this game. I've been very excited for it. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that they're trying to give themselves time to develop the best game possible. But I think there's a lot of concern, the fact that they already went gold. And I think this is part of the conversation. Yeah. And that obviously there was going to be a day one patch. But the fact that it's so much work that they're delaying it again, like that's kind of a problem, I think. But yeah. Yeah. Jason Schreier tweeting that uh, he talked to a CD Projekt developer that said they did a 100 hour work week last week, which is uh, not something that you want to hear for anyone in any line of work, whether it's making video games or anything else. Uh, Destin Legary, how where are you landing yeah. on this? I think it's great because, <laughs> like, there's so many games coming out in November, and I'm really, really excited about the games of November. And now I have my game of December, so I'm going to get to thoroughly enjoy the games that come out in November and just play them and have a good time. And then I just have like a whole month dedicated to Cyberpunk. December was much lighter comparatively, so now I, I just get to chill. So. And Brandon Tyrell, uh, you are are probably staff's biggest Assassin's Creed fan. Is that true? I don't know <laughs> if that's true. That, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good I'm not thing. saying it's one or the other. I just don't know if that's accurate. Well, um, it is good. You're, it you is, are a big fan of the series, and it it. Do you agree that it seems like Assassin's Creed Valhalla might benefit the most from this, as far as the fallout amongst other games and game yeah. publishers? Yeah, I would say if it wasn't November, uh, AC Valhalla is now the sort of must-own third-party game, I would say. But, you know, Call of Duty being Call of Duty, uh, there's always that uh, horse in the race. So either way, you know, less competition in November is good for the games in November. Obviously, it doesn't even need to be said, but Cyberpunk moving to December means AC Valhalla will have a new month. It means I officially win uh, the question that was posed two or three weeks ago of whether we think Cyberpunk or Call of Duty will sell more copies in November. <laughs> oh. I said Call of Duty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'll be collecting my checks and awards in the mail. Um, outside of that, I think we might see Immortals Phoenix Rising push to maybe Q1. I don't know if Ubisoft really wants to go head to head with Cyberpunk or maybe that bullet's in the chamber already and it's too late. I'm not sure. Right. Um, but, you know, this wouldn't be the first time Ubisoft has moved things around to get out of the way of like a, a killer app. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I don't think it's a good or a bad thing, the cyberpunk delay. I think there are a lot of shades of gray to it, you know. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't it's... sound great for the developers. I know we've all experienced crunch in some degree. Uh, and it's not a fun time. But also, you know, if the game will be better for it and will run better on every platform that it's going to support, that's great. But keep in mind, that day one patch is going to be massive. Well, I mean, who knows what the, yeah, if it's a file imagine, thing yeah. or, or what. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's just further casting the idea of going gold as utterly meaningless. It doesn't mean in, anything anymore. Into a yeah. new generation. Yeah, it absolutely means nothing. I mean, I guess if it did go gold, I guess that means the disc versions are being manufactured off of what will be a a month old build by the time the game actually releases. So yeah. 
yeah, what uh, what what that file size is for for that mandatory day one update remains to be seen. But that's a really good point. I'm curious what happens if you don't have your Series X connected to the internet and then right. you you put in the disc version of Cyberpunk. Like, what does that what does that look like? I yeah. you know I think we should try. We should. That's a hey, Destin. Take this down as a feature idea for IGN. There you go. Take a console I, offline. It's a free content. Disc version. <laughs> it, it would just work, but it wouldn't be the patch version. Yeah, well, that's and it would be interesting yeah. to compare that to the the, the patch version that, that ultimately and, ships. Uh, I didn't I didn't catch all the news because it's been a crazy morning. But from what I understand, a lot of it has to do with performance issues on uh, current gen platforms. Is that, that correct? Makes sense. I mean, yeah. trying to get this game. Like I said, Miranda and I have played it, uh, played a, a preview build of it that's now, gosh, four months old. It's crazy. <laughs> it's kind of weird to think of it. Almost five. Almost five oh, month man. old preview build via a PC, via a high end PC that we that we remote streamed uh, the access to. That yeah, the idea of getting this game, Miranda, based on what you and I have seen, to run on a base Xbox One seems uh, challenging to say the least. I just, I don't, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, so whenever I think about that, I think that they made it possible to run The Witcher on Switch. That's true. So anything is possible. That's true. (laughs) It's just a matter of time though, right? Like maybe it was poor planning and that they didn't account for how much extra work it was going to be to actually make these all run on these consoles, but which seems a little strange given that they've probably known about these consoles for a while, but there's, there's just a lot of play here that, is a little bit disappointing, I think, for everybody. But so that's my confusion on it as well. Is like you've been developing this game for the better part of a decade. Like, how did you not? How did you not know that these consoles weren't going to be supported? These platforms, right? Like, you don't accidentally make the only SKU that runs the SKU that you know wasn't being developed when the project was first scoped out. I'm assuming, right? I have no no right. behind the scenes or anything, but like you don't say like, oops, we did a next gen. Like you, that just doesn't really happen, you know? So how like why now at the wire are we running right. into issues where you can't support the platform that was in theory the lead platform for the better part of development. Yeah, well, that's just like a big scoping thing with like the upper management of like planning out that project and look and actually like calculating what it all looks like. Obviously, we're not game developers, so we don't have like a full idea of like how much work that actually is. I'm sure it's immense, but also it's like, oof, man, having to delay and then delay again for kind of like similar reasons that is that is very rough. Um, I think especially if it's just three weeks, it's like at that point, it's like you just take more time because you just push it to 2021 because just in case, like. Are they building in that just in case time? Because apparently not. Well, yeah. you guys make good a few good points here. Uh, one, there is there is almost a, uh, and I've already seen this kind of reaction in some degree in the community of of kind of a boy who cried wolf situation because they they keep setting dates and missing them. This game was tagged for April, then it moved to September, then it moved to November. Now it's moved to December. It has been delayed. So you could say, okay, and again, yeah, Brandon's makes a great point. We're not game developers. We don't want to cast judgment, but this, but what I, I think Miranda brought up, management, and I think it's fair to to assess here, at not and so this is so this is aimed at management, not the development team, and say, you know, what maybe some management issues are some some lessons are to be learned here, because uh, th- it's this is the second delay 
from within the COVID-19 pandemic. So, you know, obviously COVID has affected game development across the board. We've seen that play out in a number of ways already. Uh, but this is, you know, they, they've already, they've delayed it twice within COVID-19. So that's, that certainly speaks to, yeah, why put a date on it? <laughs> why, why? Like, it's good to have, an, you can do that internally. Maybe don't share that externally because you're just going to end up creating resentment and, and disappointment among fans who, as, as one of you uh, duly noted, fans, a lot of fans have taken time off from their jobs as a result of, of those dates given because they're excited about this game. So. Right. And, and I've seen, so specifically about the time off thing, I've seen people getting angry at people complaining about like, well, I took time off. It's like, well, this is someone's entire job and it's getting uprooted. Like you shouldn't be complaining. It's like, I think it's fair for everyone to complain about this because like taking time <laughs> off isn't necessarily easy for a lot of people. Like guaranteeing that time off is not just something you say, I can do this. I just put it in a file and I get it. Like that doesn't always happen. And so, yeah, it is a pretty big deal. So I think it's, it's fair for a lot of people to be disappointed or concerned. Um, And of course, to your point too, Ryan, the COVID thing is just obviously huge. Like it's, it's kind of uprooted so much about how development works and how people work and just company production. So I don't know. I I don't know. I'm still concerned. Not sold on the December 10th date now. (laughs) Oh, so this is arguably a, a slight blow to Xbox as we sit here and talk on an Xbox podcast in the sense that this game does have the marketing alignment with Xbox. This is, I mean, let's be honest, this is Microsoft's biggest thing they are aligned with mm-hmm. for Christmas, uh, because they don't have any first-party games to launch with the Series X. That's just how it's shaken out. And so, uh, yeah, there it's still... As of now, coming out before Christmas, but not by much. So I wonder if any of the marketing had already had the November date baked in. Like, you know, I think it was Brandon or Destin a couple shows back had pointed out that there's, I think it was, was it Monster Energy Drink with Halo Infinite <laughs> branding on oh, it? Oh, yeah. That, that already went out into the wild because that stuff gets done weeks and months in advance. And, uh, oops. So, yeah. The good news is those cans of Monster will still be good when Halo Infinite comes out. (laughs) Safe until then, guys. The Mjolnir Armor Lubricant that you can drink. (laughs) (laughs) They never go bad. They're like Twinkies. (laughs) They're good in an apocalypse. Yeah, the the other thing I wanted to point out here was it's got me thinking because a game being like games get delayed all the time and that's there are many reasons for that, but a game actually getting delayed after it has gone gold, that's a rare thing. And and I can think of two instances that I was that that actually I managed to be directly involved with as far as like the coverage I was doing, where a game got delayed after it went gold. So back in my OXM days, and oddly, I think just coincidentally, they were both EA games. They suffered different fates, and I'll tell you about them now. So there was if you guys remember Army of Two, the the co-op uh, third-person action game uh, that that EA very desperately tried to turn into a franchise, they did end up doing three of them, and they never turned out great, but they were okay. But the first one uh, got delayed. I guess it must have been after it went gold because they sent us a review build, and I reviewed it, and that review ran in OXM. <laughs> uh, and between the time we went to press and before the game came out, the game got delayed by like six months. 
And the funny part is, uh, I think I gave it a six, if I remember correctly, at OXM. And so for the And then you lowered it. Yeah, well, for the no, well, I didn't, but for the final version, we had a different reviewer review it because you know, just ethically, that felt like the right thing to do because I the version that I played, no one would ever in the public would ever see, so we wanted a fresh perspective on the on it, just like the public would have on the game that actually came out. My friend Dan Amrick reviewed Mm. reviewed it the second time, and he ended up giving it a five and a half. So. That didn't work out super well as far as <laughs> yeah. that particular review score went for Army of Two. But then another example, uh, a little more, actually, I guess around the same time this would have been in that same window, NBA Elite 11 in 2010 uh, was, that was when they were they were going to rebrand NBA Live. And, and that one, again, I had a review build, had a review done. And I think we were able to, I think we found out that it was canceled before we went to press. So I killed the review, but I had it done. Forget what I gave it. It was not a good score. But um, that game actually never came out. They just scrapped it because they knew it was bad and didn't Mm -hmm. want it to tarnish their NBA reputation, which they went on to do anyway with subsequent games. But um, and then our uh, my old friend Colin Moriarty formerly of PlayStation Beyond, of course, longtime IGNer. He th- pointed out a couple of other examples from his career. The Godfather Part Two, if you guys remember that one from the 360 and the PS3, it was sort of a pseudo-strategy game. Uh, and for the PS1, he cited Thrill Kill was, uh, was also uh, one that suffered after it was done. So what a name. this has happened before, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, the, the one thing all those games have in common is I... If you gun to my head, I couldn't have told you like any of those games existed. Uh, and none of them were very good. Well, actually, Godfather Part Two wasn't bad, but most of them weren't. Yeah, God, Godfather One was just basically a mafia esque game, wasn't it? If like I remember correctly, third person yeah. GTA style. Yeah, and the second one kind of turned it into more of this interesting strategy thing, which which it had cool ideas in it. That was a I do vaguely remember that game. Hmm. But uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully I can't imagine Cyberpunk will will suffer the post gold cancellation fate. But it yeah. is uh, it is delayed after its gold release. So um, I guess the other programming note here, where j- literally as we were turning our cameras on, ready to record, we were we were talking internally about how are we going to handle this as far as IGN goes with regard to Game of the Year voting. Because this is a big a big game in stature, but a, also a a big game in terms of the quantity of hours we project it to be, and we you know we want everybody that votes on IGN to have ample time to consider it. So we're still trying to figure out: do we include it? Do we push it to next year? Uh, Jeff Keeley, for what it's worth, from the Game Awards, he uh, it misses his cutoff. He has already announced it will push to twenty twenty one eligibility for the game awards. So it's rough. Cyberpunk just turning everybody's day upside down in the gaming industry, whether you're directly connected to it or, or, or not uh, from fans to developers to, to media alike, everybody's day is, is uh, turned upside down. But um, man, that really, last, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. That really sucks for cyberpunk. As far as awards contention goes, not only are you running against the fact that it'll be, 
effectively 12 months since, you know, people played it to the point where they need to vote on it. But I don't think I'm speaking out of turn where like cyberpunk felt like a shoe in at, at least easily the front for a nomination you mean like yeah, for, for, seri- for serious consideration. Correct. Yeah. And that not only because it's a huge game by an awesome studio that's been in development for, you know, half a decade, but because we're in a transitional year and you know, what else is there really that, that speaks to it at that level, right? Like there's no breath of the wild this year, really. And I might be forgetting something that came out earlier in the year, but next year you're talking about all the games that didn't make next gen launch or have been in development. They're all going to be hitting between Q1 to the holiday season. What is that? God of war two, maybe uh, it's what it's it's due out next year. Yeah. A number of heavy hitters are now going to be in the same conversation as cyberpunk, which is admittedly a huge deal, but a huge deal 12 months ago. You know, you raise an interesting point, but I would say a couple things. One uh, if CD Projekt Red has been laying the groundwork very transparently from the multiplayer mode that's in development for a couple of years out right. to the way they plan to support the game, that I don't, th- I think Cyberpunk will still very much be a part yeah. of the gaming conversation in a year from now, in the same way that Grand Theft Auto V has remained a big part of the conversation. Um, you're definitely right about some potentially heavy competition for 2021 consideration with the Game Awards. But I would say for if it had for 2020, we've still got The Last of Us Part Two. We've still got Oh, that's a good Doom point. Eternal. We've still got Half Life Alex. We've got uh, and IGN has given uh, a number of tens to to some maybe you know not as well known games, but some just some tre- there have been some tremendous video games in 2020. That's, true. that's fair. So there, Cyberpunk or no, there. There will be a very worthy winner of the 2020 Game Absolute, of the Year award. Absolutely, I'm just I'm I'm coming at it from the perspective of like the expectation and the hype around this game, right? If it delivers, it is a yeah. GTA level event. True, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's that. <laughs> Cyberpunk, cancel your plans if you'd made plans, Miranda. I'm sorry. God, that sucks. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I I hadn't thought about the whole vacation aspect of it. But yeah, it really I, is like booking time off to take a vacation, right? And then getting a call mm-hmm. from an Alaskan airline saying your flight's been canceled. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Or delayed by three weeks. Yeah. 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 No, it's true. It's Yeah, it is. Getting time off is not easy for a lot of people. It is a, it is a significant hurdle. So that is a shame. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey. If you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, 
great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash unlocked without the E. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash U-N-L-O-C-K-D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I, I almost wonder if this will, this delay will will kind of, um, how's, the, how's the way I want to phrase this? Like, not put people against the game when it comes out, but maybe people are going to be a little less, I guess maybe a little more defensive when it does come out as far as when they finally sit down to play it because they've, it's been just pushed and pushed and pushed rather than, I wonder if it's going to be rather than as exciting of a day, if people are just going to be like a little more skeptical of it. I don't know. Mm. I'm I'm sure it's probably all going to wash away once people get it on their hard drives, but yeah, well, that's a great point though, because now people are going to be hypercritical about what platform they're playing it on. Right. Like if you're not playing it on a PS5 or an Xbox Series X or, or you know, whatever, whatever, like if you're playing it on a lower spec, um, what does that say? You know, if you run into a hitch or a glitch or a hiccup or whatever, you know, there's going to be more scrutiny on those platforms now, I think. If yeah. there are problems. I if think there are. Yeah, of course. If it's running mostly smooth, I don't think that's going to be part of the conversation. And and once it's actually out, I would I don't think anybody's going to care about these delays anymore. That's It'll be like a, a footnote. In a year from now, yeah. the conversation won't be, "Hey, remember how it was delayed three weeks?" It'll mm-hmm. be either Cyberpunk was bad or that it was really really good, which is the more likely scenario with the team that made Witcher three. Right. That's that's true, but it's it's more about which platform. Like, remember what happened with Skyrim on the PS3 or Just Cause right. Three? On yeah. Console. So, if, like I said, if there are problems yeah. similar to like what happened with Skyrim on the PS3, however, with solid state drives and the the, I don't think any technological uh, issues are going to be holding back data. For example, that, that was the example with Skyrim on the PS3. So. Uh, it, it would probably be engine based if there were problems with Cyberpunk, and we're just saying if. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would be very surprised if there were major technical problems with Cyberpunk on a very specific platform, just mm-hmm. because um, like these these new consoles are basically PCs at this point. So, well, yeah, I mean, I think Brandon's point Wait, yeah. is the older ones, not the new ones, right. like OG Xbox. Yeah. Exactly. Like the Xbox One. Yeah. Yeah. Flat. <laughs> that. <laughs>
Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess the final point on this is I really hope that the development team on this game at CD Projekt Red gets hmm. a, 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 a lot of time off after they finally make it through the end of this. Because again, I think, again, it's, I'm, I'm just an outsider. We're just outsiders. We don't have insight into what really goes on there, but it sure does seem like management has to some extent let that development team down um, by as, as far as the, the planning goes. Again, I, I, I'm sure this is now going to get pulled out and posted on social with some out of context crap, but I hopefully sane people get what we're trying to say here that, uh, that yeah, like a, a lot of this probably could have been, av- been avoided at least on the public backlash side by not setting dates and being, you know, having a better picture of where development's at. So we'll see. Uh, we've got now another, I guess, six, seven weeks to go until hopefully we're all playing uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Next this week, Phil Spencer. Let's talk about something happier, shall we? Phil Spencer's suggesting, maybe, in a way, you'll hear his quote in a second, that maybe a one versus 100-like game could be possible for the Xbox series. As reported by VGC, Phil Spencer made these comments during the official Xbox Fan Fest live stream this past Friday, which was supposed to also be accompanied by a special quiz that got unfortunately canceled for technical reasons. And so within that context, Phil says, quote, I just want to say when our teams are trying to do new things that we've never done before, I want to be 100% behind those things. Sometimes they'll turn out amazing. Sometimes they will be good learning experiences for us. But for all the fans who have been on, a, on this with us, we're going to make it good with you guys. We don't know exactly what it is yet, so thanks for hanging out with us during this and our little experiment. We'll learn. Maybe we should even be building our own trivia game like from our past that allows people to play a trivia game more often. Maybe that could happen. So, again, he's you, speaking off the cuff, but... Uh, all right, They're, they go. listen to Unlocked. They all you listen to Unlocked, you. obviously. We talk about this all the time and how much we liked 1v100. Um, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> that was a really fun game. Uh, yeah. I wonder how they would modernize it, though. Like, they couldn't just do the same thing. It'd have sure to they could. I would sign up for that in three seconds. Are there avatars anymore? I don't think so. I, yeah. Well, technically, yeah. Yeah. There are. Yeah. Yeah, there's some avatars. I think the thing too is that a lot of times we look at games and like these online ecosystems as a lot of competitive games in nature. And I think there's a big craving for something like this. It's like competitive, but like in a game show sense, like something that's a little bit more relaxed. You know, not so much about your technical skill, but like maybe your ability <laughs> to accomplish these sorts of things. It's like, oh, can you answer these quiz questions? I can't, but maybe you can. <laughs> We just need to come together. Should, yeah. the, gamer, the gamers are healing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it'd be really fun, especially in times like this when we're all stuck at home and like a way to get, get across with a bunch of other people would be something fun. And that's why you see games like Fall Guys take off and, and just have like that kind of fun. It's like it's weird to say like a playground feeling, right? Like it's supposed yeah. to be just just a little bit more I, I, I mean I struggle to say casual because I think it's not really the right term for this but it's more easygoing right that the stress yeah. is there but in, in a playful way rather than like a clutch like I'm getting sweaty over here way so there are three immediate 
candidates that come to mind, like license things, I mean, you know, because that's, I know licensing is a big part of it. If, you know, if, if Microsoft can't just put one versus 100 back out, they'd have to go to the, to the, you know, the license holder of whoever, whatever like production studio or what have you owns one versus 100. But there, one versus 100 would be, if they brought that right back, a bunch of us, including myself, would be really happy. I think who wants to be a millionaire could fit that format pretty well too. Like with, with, with actual like uh, cash, cash prizes in the form of like account credit. Uh, they had something like that, do. didn't they? Or was, or am well, I that's just one versus 100. Yeah. 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 That, but you, but what that you, had. you have 99 other players serving as the yeah. audience to help them make decisions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In one versus 100, it could be, yeah. I mean, there, there are the, there are audience participation ways for the the audience to help the player but then the playing along in the audience part could maybe like the people that do the best go into like a weighted lottery to become the next contestant mm-hmm. right like which is sort of how one versus 100 work too and then the other game which i believe ubisoft has the current license to it's bounced around over the years that i think could be a spectacular live game show video game would be the price is right. I was just thinking that. The price is yeah. right. Like the games, like the 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 price the pricing games that you know, like Plinko and all that could be like little mini games. And you could yeah, and you know, the, the, you got the audience yelling at you to help you out, but except not literally yelling over a mic. And so <laughs> I, I think price price is right could could work really well too. But yeah, uh Destin, what d- did you ever make it into the mob or the one in one versus yeah. one hundred? Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I was in both. Uh, that was a, just a really really cool game, and it was I think it was really neat because you knew those were other real people, and it was sort of like battle royale <laughs> in a weird way, right? Like the battle royale games have come out since then. This is just sort of a, a fun trivia thing that everybody could do, and now that it's been popularized, I could imagine Xbox doing something really interesting there. Yeah, and yeah, I, I was in both, and I think I won some credits or something. I can't remember what you won, but yeah. You've seen this style of games on a lot of different other systems, like either mobile. Like there was that one like show game that you play, show game. That one quiz game that you could like get an app for. I forget what it was. Oh yeah, um, with the guy. Last yeah. forever. We did yeah. that in the office religiously for like two yeah. weeks. And no yeah, yeah, you can actually win money for it. Yeah, yeah and so like. Yeah, HQ. HQ. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, so like, there's a lot of experiences like that that exist, but I think bringing something like that on the Xbox is really cool. Like if we're just looking at these sorts of games, I'm just like, hey, what about Among Us, guys? What What are y'all doing with that? When's it coming to consoles? So like, there's a lot of different kinds of games out there, I think, that are, are really primed for that Xbox experience, and I'd like to see them more available. Well, there you go. Phil Spencer, I know you're listening on your dog walk on the weekend right now, so... <laughs> Get to it. Don't tease us like that. Hopefully something is actually in the works. Speaking of Phil Spencer, uh, we now have, this is me speculating, and I'll turn it to you guys to get your thoughts here, but perhaps a better idea of why Phil Spencer won't come right out and say that the Elder Scrolls Six and other Bethesda games will be completely exclusive to the Xbox ecosystem just yet. Uh it's because Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax Media isn't yet complete, in an inter- which we knew. In an interview with Game Reactor, Phil said that he expects the acquisition to be finalized by early next year. He says, quote, first of all, 
I would like to say that we haven't acquired ZeniMax. We have announced our intention to acquire ZeniMax. It is going through regulatory approval and we don't see any issues there. I get a lot of questions right now. Is this game exclusive? Is this game exclusive? And right now, that is not my job in regards to ZeniMax. My job is not to sit down and go through their portfolio and dictate what happens. So uh, again, Phil saying, saying it in so many words that he basically hasn't been given the keys to the car yet. <laughs> so, um, so Miranda, do you, do you think that once that approval happens and, and Phil and they officially fold under Xbox, then we will start seeing these announcements come? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think once they can actually sit down and say, all right, I mean, obviously they're thinking about it. Like there, there is a plan in motion somewhere and some secret document behind several layers of doors, and like passcodes, you know, it's like spy, spy central almost. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, I do think that this is obviously something they're thinking about. And then once they actually do have all the details finalized, they can start moving on messaging and making sure that they have that very clear and understood. I think Microsoft's been very good about messaging so far, and I don't see why they would do anything different for this acquisition. Brandon, do you think that development on the PlayStation 5 version of, of Starfield has already stopped? Oh, God, I don't know. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun speculation. That's what we're here for. It's speculation. I don't know if it's fun. Um, <laughs> there are certain crowds that no matter what you say are going to come after you. But uh, I think, you know, just reading Phil's quote is kind of how I feel about it. Like, let the, let the dominoes fall as they're going to. Like, I guess that's the same. I don't think it is, but, uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may is what I'm trying there to you say. Go. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm sure they've had conversations about like, wouldn't it be cool if Skyrim two or, or elder scrolls, uh, six, um, was, you know, an Xbox exclusive, but there's nowhere near there. And honestly, you know, if we're, if we're, we're all friends here, we're being frank, the cadence at which the world is getting progressively worse. I think it's a little op, you know, a little, it's a little ambitious to start thinking about playing the Elder Scrolls six right now. Like, let's see where we are in 2022. You know, let's, let's make sure we still have an internet infrastructure. Oh, and, we, we, and we got to get Starfield out the door first that we'll be playing that before development really even really ramps up on the Elder Scrolls six. I mean, that's the hope. This is my point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I have no idea, man, as far as development on, on Starfield, I think they're right. Like, Tackle one problem at a time, secure the company first, and then start figuring out what you're going to do with our portfolio. Well, nevertheless, uh, interest, yeah, it's good to hear Phil kind of lay it out like that. And yeah, it's, so we'll look for some, probably some more definitive statements from them at some yeah. point next year. Miranda, I want to go your way here because you broke some uh, two very interesting Gears 5 stories over the past week. Uh, I think one of which is, Excellent. And the other is of such a pleasant surprise that I know as soon as you told me about it, I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, please do. Please have take the floor and I, tell us about what's going on with Gears. So, yes, I was given the opportunity to talk to the Coalition again, which is one of my favorite studios to work with, as you guys probably know very big Gears fan. Um, and I did not expect to be excited about Gears 5 news, which is maybe a weird thing to say, but you know, it came out last year. It's had its, its time in the spotlight. Um, but the Coalition's really doing some cool stuff to bring it back in a, in a very fun way, especially with the Series X launch. Um, so we'll, we'll see if like the really exciting 
thing for like the second part of this. But the first part is that we finally got a lot of details on what's coming with the Series X update. And so they kind of went into detail with me about like, this is not all just coming to Series X and S. Like the optimizations, of course, are going to be on those consoles. And I assume based on like some of the videos they showed, it's going to look real good. Um, but also they're adding a new game plus, they're adding two new difficulty modes. One of them is an Iron Man mode. So it's like you get one life and then you're, you're out, <laughs> which sounds very hard. Uh, I think there's a lot of us having flashbacks to like the matriarch fight and a bunch yeah, of other the, the stuff. Ice, like, yeah, that, that, I died a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. there's so many parts that are really tough. So I, I could see that. And you can do it co-op, which is really fun. Like there's mutators. Probably the coolest part of that though, is they're putting Batista into the campaign as Marcus as a skin and it's fully voiced so fully all of his VO it's all of his lines yes yes he completely read the entire script so if you want to swap in you know get a little tap out for Marcus get in for Batista as Marcus um so if you guys haven't really been in the the know for that uh Batista's been like really kind of championing himself as wanting to be in the Gears movie we don't know what's going on with that, but I think it's really fun that they've been sort of inviting him into the Gears community regardless of what happens with that. So um, Batista was already added to multiplayer and now adding him to the campaign is just such a fun way to like re-experience that. And so it's just kind of cool. You can read, of course, read the whole story for all the details on new things that they're adding, as like new achievements, mutators, uh, Jack stuff for New Game Plus. So there's a lot of cool things happening there. And of course, so wait, um, is Batista JD's dad now? Yes. Yes, he is. Because <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm thinking to that one nice. part at, later in the game after the choice. And you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that, seems, that seems a little like, how's that going to work? I'm very excited to see how that all plays out. They said that the VO is the exact same, though. Like, they didn't huh. rewrite any lines. Um, I was uh, cause I was curious about that, right? It's like, oh, are they going to make this version of Marcus, Marcus a little bit different? And like, nah, he's Batista's Marcus, but still delivering the same lines, just in his own way. Uh, so that's that's going to be really interesting to see how things hit. I guess you could say. Uh, so then we also talked about some multiplayer things. One of the biggest parts, personally, for me that was interesting was how they're dealing with latency and matchmaking against old gen consoles versus new gen consoles, um, because. If you're big into shooters like me, uh, whenever you get down to the frame rates, that is such an important thing with shooters. Like It gives you actually quite an advantage. Um, if you've ever played, say, you play one game on a console that runs at a lower frame rate, then you play on PC, you can just really feel that difference between those. Um, and so right now you can opt out of queuing against PC players if you're playing Gears multiplayer, but you can't opt out of playing against other console players. So if you're still playing on an original Xbox and you're playing against a Series X or Series S player who's running at 120 frames, they're going to probably have a little bit of an advantage. Um, When I was talking to the Coalition, they were saying that they didn't really feel concerned about that. Like the tests they've run so far has seemed pretty balanced. Um, I think with Gears 2, since it's not as twitchy as like, say, Call of Duty or something, I think that's probably going to be okay. Like there's still a lot of reaction time and things that you need to be accurate with. But it's a little different in that sense. Um, And they have actually worked on improving the latency on the older, I guess, versions of Gears as well. So that was good to talk about. I'm always interested about multiplayer stuff and like esports and just kind of like the foundation that they're setting for that. Uh, So that was something I did touch on in my article too, if you're interested. But the most exciting part is that we're getting story DLC. You guys. Cool. 
Yeah, I was. I, so I, I was, was really not excited. expecting that. No, because they told us that they weren't going to do any story of DLC. Like earlier this year, when I did my big feature over like kind of like the history of Gears and its changes and like where it's going next, um, they were saying this like you know, oh, we we feel like we try to tell the entirety of the story in that campaign. Like you get everything. And then minus the cliffhanger at the end of the campaign. Of course, well, that's you know setting up for the next game. And uh, so, except for that, and so they're like, "Well, we tell we told everything we wanted to tell in that story." But then there was a lot of fan requests for like some story continuation stuff. So they got to work on it. And this December, we're going to get a Hive Busters DLC, which is what I wanted because if you guys don't know, the Hive Busters are the characters that are featured in the escape mode. So there are three characters in the squad. They're not anywhere in the campaign, just in escape. And you kind of get some story tidbits about them in there, uh, but most of it where you're going to find is in the comics. And so they're just not really featured in any sort of campaign. And so they didn't explicitly say what the campaign was going to be, aside from it being Hive Busters. And it was going to be, um, I think, three to four hours long. And so it's like, well, if you say Hive Busters, obviously it's going to be those three. So I am super stoked because I like those characters a lot. I hope, I hope uh, they also throw in a photo mode. This game is absolutely gorgeous, and and I oh, took a true. lot of like screenshots that I posted on Twitter, and uh, when Rod was still there, I was like, "Hey, you can add you can add photo mode," and he sort of teased that they might. So I hope the team uh, was also working on that as like an, an additional bonus. All this stuff sounds awesome, though. To your yeah. point on input latency, Miranda, though, you're absolutely right. If you're playing at 120, you're gonna have less input latency than you are at like 30 or 60. I mean, sorry. So. It, yeah, it, it, it's okay. it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Yeah, they they sent me over some like graphs as far as just how it was actually functioning, performing. So you can check this oh, out cool. too. Yeah, love but. it. All right, let's move on to the loot box here. We've got an excellent question this week. It comes from Devante, uh, and I will let him take it away. Hey, my name is Devante. I'm a huge fan of the show. My question would be, with the amount of first-party studios that Xbox now has, uh, if you could kind of take two games from within those studios and kind of hand them off to another studio to see their take on them, what would it be? Uh, for me, I'm a huge State of Decay fan, so I would love to see Playgrounds hand at a State of Decay game. I think that would be really cool. And then next, I would love to see Ninja Theory's take on a Gears of War game, which I think that would be pretty interesting as well. So I'm just curious as to what you guys would uh, decide on. Doing gears, that would be a really be like a psychological take on the 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 hellish effects of of the war. On the that could be that could be interesting to see. Um, Destin, I'll go your way first for this one. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Can you go to Brandon first? <laughs> no, no, I had similar reaction. I was like, oh, it's such a good question, but I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Miranda. I need time to think. I'll go. Yeah. Okay, I'll go. Um, so I only had one definitive. I think there's a lot of studios that would be really curious to see them kind of get into other games like The Coalition or, um, as Devante said, Ninja Theory. Ninja Theory's just got such a unique style, and I think it'd be cool to see them take on a lot of different properties. But the one, the one I want most, yes. is a new Viva Pinata, and I want from Double Fine oh, because their humor great. is just spot on for so many different things. And I think it would fit really well with Viva Pinata. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be like the Viva Pinata we know. I want to see what their take on that would be. I like that a lot. That would be, yeah, to, to see Tim and, and Tim Schaefer and that team dive into the Viva Pinata guard, and that would be cool. In fact, 
Uh, fun- funny enough, one of mine is double fine as well, but a different IP, uh, although also a rare IP. I've said this before. Banjo. Give Banjo Kazooie to rare, excuse me, to, to double fine <laughs> and let them run wild for the exact same reasons, Miranda. I think they would, I think they would just crush that assignment uh, if they were given that option. But I'll give, I'll go, I'll, I got one more. Uh, Devante was hoping for a couple from each of us, but I'll just go around the table here. But my other one, uh, Halo, not to id. I know that you were probably thinking, I'm going to say id software. And an id software Halo would be interesting. Uh, but I would like to see Halo in the hands of Machine Games, another one of the new Bethesda acquisitions. You know, they they did such an amazing narrative-driven uh, reboot of Wolfenstein with the New Order that their take on Halo could be, obviously the campaign specifically, I would love to see that. That would be that would be a very interesting project to, to see come to fruition. So those are my couple. Uh, do I have, Now, do I have either a, a volunteer here from Brandon or Destin to, to give me something on this excellent loot box question from Devante? Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think, Destin? It's, it's, a, it's a great question, and I'm just really struggling with like what game when I give to another developer because I do feel developers just have this, like they have their vision for what they want to do with the property, and to say, okay, well, well, imagine a world where this other company were able to run with that. I'm I'm always of the mindset that I would just I would rather that company just created something new instead of you're just you're moving moving the pieces on the chessboard. Yeah, it it doesn't necessarily mean (laughs) the other games wouldn't exist. It's just like if you think about how other companies can expand on their properties and through different genres. If you think about like Halo Wars or Gears Tactics, like those build on that property in such a fun way, Mm -hmm. you could do the same with these other studios. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Mm. I guess like it's like, <laughs> a cheap answer and it's like on my mind. So like Mass Effect, the CDPR, but I just feel like that's like no, the no, expected it's, it's answer. Party. You got to play by the rules. It's actually a harder question, though. Yeah. It's a harder, it's, it's uh, a harder it's question a hard. than it seems like on the outset because you're dealing uh, within the restrictions of first party franchises and first party studios. studios and countless IPs. I, I just want to let the audience know that I, I briefed them on the question. I gave them all the question yesterday and said, you know who did her homework? About this? Hey, Only I started Miranda thinking about it yesterday. Still didn't get anywhere. Um, no, realistically though, like I want to see something with sunset overdrive, but I don't know that. I don't, you know, I think, I don't think Microsoft owns it anymore. Right. Yeah, anymore. exactly. And yeah. then I thought, Sorry, I said it's dead. <laughs> no, I know, like that's the problem, right? But off the top of my head, I would love to see State of Decay, the State of Decay franchise, move uh, into maybe more of a horror element. Like I think State of Decay by Ninja Theory would be a really interesting. Oh, or I, I see. I thought you were going to now say Tango GameWorks, another. Ooh. Oh yeah, there is that yeah. as well. But here's here's the thing, which is why I keep having trouble with this. Is like I really like the direction Undead Labs goes in this, like. State of Decay, the reason it's so good is not just because zombies and like, it's a systemic game. It's got a bunch of systems running. So if you remove that, is it really the sort of zombie simulation game or is it just another zombie horror game? So it's tough, right? Like you kind of lose a little piece of something by moving it around. 
I would love to see them do something with Ori that isn't just a platformer. I think that would be like imagine Ori, but in the uh, in the delivery system of a Sunset Overdrive, where it's like third person, crazy oh, wow. frenetic, and, um, yeah, that floating, could... floating, gliding around, kind of yeah. Breath of the Wild style. I think that would be amazing. That'd be cute. That'd be cool. I I got a weird one. All right, All so right. give Heavenly Sword to the Coalition. I want to see the Coalition do something a little bit outside of their comfort zone with a game like Heavenly Sword. Heavenly I wonder if, yeah. if does Microsoft, you know, via Ninja Theory own that, or does uh, I think it was Bandai that published it? I don't. Yeah, they I'm were considered sure. independent prior to acquisition. Okay. So He's using have, Wiki. That's not allowed. He's cheating. cheating. I want to look at what the <laughs> games are on. <laughs> I seriously, I've been trying not to do this the whole time. Just like <laughs> pull up wikis. Why? Uh, because I don't think that makes for very good podcasting. <laughs> I don't know. Hold on, guys. Getting correct information? I mean, well, okay. Uh, Devante, <laughs> okay. I think, uh, Devante, that was a fantastic loot box question, despite the panelists' unpreparedness. Um, but good stuff. If you've got a loot box question, please send it in as a video comment. It's, uh, it's That's what we're doing now are the Yappa video comments. So just Google IGN Unlocked 467. You'll find the article for this episode. And that, down at the bottom, right above the comments, you'll see Yappa. And you can uh, you can you don't have to make a Yappa account. You can log in with uh, Google, Facebook, Discuss, or LinkedIn. And then just leave us a video comment as Devante and others from previous weeks have. All right. Well, we're about out of time. So we'll do Unlock Block Trivia next week. And I will simply say that I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and you can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, please be nice to me and to others. That's all I ask this week, as you maybe check out Unfiltered with Brian Raffle. Brandon? Uh, hey, same deal. I'm Brandon. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Tyrell, and please be nice to Ryan. Oh. <laughs> Destin? Follow me on Twitter at Destin Gary and uh, watch me on Twitch sometimes at twitch.tv slash Destin. Miranda, take us home. Hi, I'm Miranda, and you can follow me at... At Havoc Gross, that's Havoc with the K. I don't know why I introduced myself again. <laughs> Sorry. It's a weird day. Okay. My brain's fried. It really is a weird day. Please, please read my gear stories. I know many of you have, and thank you so much for the kind words on that. Um, I love getting to do those opportunities, and your feedback means a whole lot. So thank you very much uh, for all those kind comments. I'm also on Twitch tonight with Control. So mm -hmm. keeping on those Remedy games, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks, everybody. This was Unlocked 467. Pro quick note, we'll be back on Wednesday next week. We, our company is observing Election Day as a holiday, so we will not be in the office, so to speak. The show should post by the end of the day Wednesday, so just 24 hours later than normal. So we'll see you then. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. 
And spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H Y P E R T H E T I C A L.